Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring four left feet performing a tango of trivia, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today we finish up, we wrap up our series, Head of the Helm. Our quest is almost complete. We have created an entire science fiction crew using ships and characters from all across science fiction media. Yep, and using our noodles. Uh, So... If you go back through all our previous podcasts, you can find out who everyone is, but we will run it down for you because today we are picking the enemies yes. of this crew. Who our crew is up against. So who our crew is up against. So for Mikey always goes first. <laughs> so we'll run down his ship and then he'll pick his pick and then I'll run down my ship and then I'll do my third pick. Cool. Mikey. Your ship was the USS Voyager. It was. From Star Trek Voyager was the name of that show. It was indeed. And who was on that ship, Mikey? Uh, on that ship, it is being piloted by everybody's favorite sci-fi raccoon, which is Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy. For engineering person fixing things, that's Amos Burton from The Expanse. Great series. For security, I have the shapeshifter Odo from Deep Space Nine. For my doctor, I have Bones, but the Carl Urban variant, because he's the coolest. Uh, for my robot, I got Baymax from Big Hero 6. Are you happy with your care? Are you ha- satisfied with your service? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, my live-in passenger person I'm taking with me is River Tam to kick butt and be cute. My first <laughs> officer is going to be Chewbacca, Chewie, the uh, Wookiee extraordinaire. And then last week we picked captains, and that's Captain Jean-Luc Picard. So, yes, that is your crew. So... You have an enemy that they have to face off against, the the main antagonist that keeps showing up in this show-slash-movie-slash-comic-book-slash-radio serial from the 30s that, that we're doing. Yep. Oh, no, he's back again. <laughs> what will they do this week? So what's your number three pick for enemy? My number three pick for enemy. Well, I do want to just put this idea out there because I thought of it, but I couldn't make it work, but it'd be so cool. But Star Trek always has this trope where they like they slip timelines and there's like, two versions of people and there's always an evil person they usually have the mustache so you know the evil person (laughs) and i really think it'd be so fun just to have like bizarro version of my crew so like there's evil rocket and like i guess it would be sane amos because it's already evil (laughs) amos and real but not really a person they can fight but that idea oh man that'd be cool i might do some some fan fiction about it (laughs) but for my third pick uh, this goes back to childhood sci-fi. This was a bad guy I saw on the on the movie screen, and I was like, "Holy crap, that guy is awesome. He's cool. He's kind of scary, but I want to I want to see what happens." And that was T one thousand from James Cameron's Terminator Two: Judgment. Oh yes, indeed. Oh, old Terminator movie still holds up to this day. Oh, definitely, one, definitely. one of the standards. But T one thousand was liquid Terminator. He mm-hmm. was liquid metal, and he was almost unstoppable. Is T2 the Chris Hardwick one that he's in it? As I believe that's like one of the Salvations or Genesis or okay, Rise of the Machines. Okay. It's fun to go see him because he plays like the... the in, isn't that Peter Hardwick that's in that too, <laughs> it, I think? It is. It is <laughs> Peter Hardwick. But it is funny because he's a nerd in a lab coat. Uh-huh. And I think he's there for like two minutes. Uh-huh. But Sorry. Uh, hey, we'll do Di- one more... Digression. We'll, we'll do one more random tangent. Robert Patrick was T-1000, mm-hmm, the actor yeah. that played him. Do you know his brother Richard Patrick? 
Huh? No. Richard Patrick is the singer and frontman for the band Filter from the 90s. What? Are you kidding me? That's his brother. So he's brother to T-1000 from Terminator. Wow. One more random tangent. That's but crazy. T-1000, um, he can run faster than cars. He has <laughs> blades for arms. If he wants anything for arms, really. Yeah, I mean, he's... I think they classify Arnold Schwarzenegger as like Terminator T-800, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. I think that's his de- designation. But James Cameron, when referring to it, he says, if the Terminator is like a, a panzer tank, like yeah, okay. Ar- Arnold's version is a panzer tank. Okay. T-1000. Just call the German guy a panzer tank. I mean, <laughs> well, he's Austrian, but still. Yeah, a little on the nose. But uh, he goes on to say that T-1000 is like a Porsche. So it's just, it's streamlined, it's high end, it's super efficient, and he's deadly. I mean, that mm-hmm. the creepy face is like, have you seen this boy? You're like, no, and I don't want to see you ever again. Please go away. But... I just had to pull from old school childhood. I think as a bad guy goes, he's got the face, he's got the look, and liquid metal. He can turn, like, go through doors, mm-hmm. pass through gates, yeah. sword hands. It's crazy. That was great. That, yeah, that still does, even as old as the CGI is in that, it's just, it's right for what it is. Oh, for sure. So it still looks right. And and James Cameron was one of those uh, try to do practical effects when you could kind of guys. Yeah. And so that helps. Like the reason Jurassic Park still holds up is the same reason Terminator oh, still yeah. holds up. Jurassic Park is, still does hold up. <laughs> so I'm going to be running from T-1000 for maybe some adventures, <laughs> but not the whole season. Not the whole season. Yeah, we could always use some of these other ones. Well, not my first one because I have reasons. Uh-oh. Well, anyway. Before, yeah, before you get into your third pick, you got to give us your crew. Yeah, here's my ship and crew. So... I chose the Normandy SR-1 from Mass Effect, a ship that I love. It is piloted by Tally Lintra, the A-Wing pilot from The Last Jedi. The engineer in the back fixing things and giving quips is Kaylee Fry from Firefly and Serenity. Uh, for security, I have Samus Aran from Metroid. Yeah! Uh, my doctor is Alexi Tapero from the later on Mass Effect games. For the robot, I have Muffet 2 from the original Battlestar Galactica TV series in the 70s. My passenger is Princess Leia Organa, the episode 4 variant. There you go. <laughs> white, white dress Leia. <laughs> My first officer is Wilma Deering from Buck Rogers TV series. Back in the day, and my captain is Miranda Keys from the Halo series. Oh, I learned about her last week. She's awesome. I have a lot of video game stuff. Apparently, I like sci-fi video games, and yes, I do. Well, I, I think as far as media goes, video games tend to knock it out of park when it comes to sci-fi. Like, they do. It's hard to think of bad sci-fi video game properties. Mm-hmm. They but do a Miranda, great job. So, uh, my number three villain is on the list because he has to be on one of our lists. He just has to. It's one of the most iconic villains of all time, let alone sci-fi villains. We'd lose points if we didn't talk about him? We have to talk about this guy who used to be called Anakin Skywalker (gasps) once upon a time, Darth Vader. Yeah. Now, Darth Vader to me is like how Han Solo, I can't, I could never pick Han Solo to be the captain because he's only the captain of the Millennium Falcon. True. And Darth Vader not in Star Wars is not Darth Vader. Because Darth Vader is Star Wars. Oh, for sure, yeah. So much of it. Those first, I mean, the the prequels and the original movies are all about him, basically. That's when people are like, I want a Darth Vader standalone. <laughs> and you're like, um, there were six of them. So, <laughs> but, I mean, this character, everyone knows who Darth Vader is. Oh, for sure. In any villain list, movie villain list, he shows up in at least the top five, usually, regular villains. Oh, I, if, it's, yep. if you're putting sci-fi, he's in the top three, if not number one, always. 
the most known movie quote in the world. <laughs> it is. They've done polls. Is no, I am your father, which people misquote as Luke, I am your father. But Luke, yep. every, people, you can almost go to the wilds of Africa and ask someone about it, and they will know it. So it's just so strange. One of the most well-known quotes in cinema history. And then start making breathing noises. Yeah, it, right. And it just the iconic status that character has of evil in pop culture, it's so much. So I looked up stuff that you might not know. Okay. Because people know. Oh, yeah, he's an icon. So psychiatrists have considered Darth Vader to be a useful example for explaining borderline personality disorder to medical students. Oh, wow. It fits. Crazy, right? Anakin's original story in The Phantom Menace has been compared to the Buddha story before he became Buddha. Okay. Yeah, trying to trying to become, I guess, the master. So in- they use that with theology students, too. See, Darth Vader's used for teaching. <laughs> there's a... There's a beetle named after Darth Vader. It's a oh, like a like a bug? Yeah, a slime mold beetle. Okay. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but there's a slime mold beetle named after Darth Vader. You can Google it. Does it force choke other bugs? <laughs> there's, do you know the the Washington National Church? I do. That they built is supposed to be a multi-denominational church for mm-hmm. our country. It um, has like a whole bunch of gargoyles over it? Yes, something? and one of them is Darth Vader. Oh, what? <laughs> I didn't know that part. Yeah. One of them is Darth, Darth Vader's on the church. That's awesome. Crazy. Sounds like a church I would go to. And finally, one of my f- favorite ones that I found is that after the uh, Iron Curtain fell and all the communist countries in Eastern Europe went kind of uncommunist, <laughs> yep. in Odessa, Ukraine, there was a Vladimir Lenin statue that they converted into a Darth Vader statue. <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but... Say, hey. I, th- I think I'd rather look at a Darth Vader statue than a Lenin statue. <laughs> so Darth Vader, he has to be here. He, we had to talk about him. I put him on three. I don't want him to be in any of this business. He needs to be on his Star Destroyer hunting down the Rebel base. That's his job. That's what he does. Taking him out of Star Wars is, I can't do it. Makes oh, my head break. I got you. And then it's, if he's in it, that means he's the star and everybody else is sort of second tier yeah, because even when you see him in stuff like Robot Chicken and stuff, he's still in Star Wars. <laughs> yep. And if you take him out, you end up like with Dark Helmet or something, which is fine. <laughs> but that's a parody. So no oh. parodies of Darth Vader. Nope. So. OG Darth Vader. I dig it. And mm-hmm. you're right. We do have to mention him just because he's he's ever present. When you think of sci-fi and bad guys, he is the mm-hmm. top of the list. Yep. Oh, so cool, though. And for good reason. That is a great third pick. Darth Vader. Who would win in a fight, Darth Vader or T-1000? Oh, you know what? He'd be tough for Darth Vader because he can get all liquidy and stuff. I don't know. That'd be an interesting, wow, that'd be an interesting fight. <laughs> that's like a whole, that's a whole nother podcast there. Right in, give us your votes. We'll see who wins. Yeah. But on to our second picks for enemies for our sci-fi fantasy build a cruise. This one's going back again, childhood favorite. I, I don't know. I like bad guys from, from when I was a kid. They were a little bit more scary and present then. But this one is a little less scary. He's more of a businessman but it's Gary Oldman playing Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg from Fifth Element. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, I talked about Fifth Element a little bit when I talked about Corbin Dallas as a possible pilot because he's mm-hmm. a taxi driver and all that. Yeah. But Zorg is the owner and president of Zorg Industries mm-hmm. in Fifth Element, and all Zorg Industry does is make weapons. They are a weapons manufacturer and maker and supplier. So already that's pretty, you know, grade A bad guy. Unless you're Tony Stark. Oh, Tony Stark, true. Of course, he was kind of, sort of. See? Yeah. So, Zorg is a businessman, yes, but his business is in war. 
uh, when the priest is in his office and talking about, you know, how can you, you know, we're here to preserve life and save the fifth element. And Zorg is like, well, you need chaos to create life. You need destruction before you can create something and fix something. That's a valid point. It's a little megalomania and crazy, you know. But like Thanos, there's a little bit of an argument to it, you know. There's some logic to it. And you're like, all right. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the the reason I think Zorg would be so cool, he does meet his demise on Fifth Element, but this mm-hmm. will be like yeah, yeah alternate timeline multiverse yeah. stuff. But with Zorg, he's he's charismatic. He knows what he wants and what he expects of other people, and he knows how to get the job done. So Zorg could pop up against my crew just with like backing different aliens and actual oh, other yeah. bad mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I supply you with weapons. You help take out this crew that's been after me and trying to take me down. So he could match up with anybody. And, I mean, if you've watched Fifth Element, you see how much he drives a hard bargain. The My favorite part of that entire movie is Gary Oldman talking about how he expected a case with four stones in it. Not one or two or three, but four. Four stones! <laughs> what am I supposed to do with an empty case? <laughs> oh, it's great. He, he takes no guff. He's got that crazy sci-fi bad guy hairdo, <laughs> the evil little pointy soul patch, so you know he means business. His name is Zorg. His name is Zorg. That's it's a, it's a bad guy name. But uh-huh. Gary Oldman, he's such a chameleon. I love him and everything he does, but oh, Fifth yeah. Element's probably up there just for his, his portrayal of Zorg, so definitely a bad guy I want to see reoccurring in my series. <laughs> Fifth Element is such a great, I guess it's a cult classic, you'd call it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely had more success after its theatrical yeah. run than it ever did in the theaters. That's a great Zorg. You name your kid Zorg, he's not going to turn out. <laughs> you mean he's not going to be a Nobel Peace Prize winner? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's a great second pick. All right, my second pick dun, dun. Uh, is also a pick from Star Wars, but the books, and later on, a TV show. Nice. This is easily... Probably, if you ask me who what my favorite Star Wars villain is, okay, I'm not going to say Boba Fett because I don't see him as a villain. He's a bounty hunter. He's just doing his job. He's a man of opportunity. And I love Boba Fett. And I'm actually not even going to say Darth Vader because Darth Vader's great. I love it's He's one of the best villains ever was we talked about. But for my money. For your money. One of my favorite villains is a fellow named Grand Admiral Thrawn. Ooh, there's a bad guy name. Yes. So Grand Admiral Thrawn is a character written by Timothy Zahn, and he first appeared in the 1991 novel Heir to the Empire nice. as part of what became the Thrawn trilogy okay. of books. Now, the Thrawn books in the old canon before, it's called Legends now, before Disney kind of swept away with the stuff that happened after the original series. Oh, yeah, all their um, Banhammer stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Those Thrawn books were some of the most successful ones. There's a lot of stuff that's in that Legends, uh, those old Legends books. There's uh-huh. a lot of things that are wonky and weird, and people weren't sad to see him go. <laughs> gotcha. People were sad to see Thrawn go because he was such an interesting character and well-written and well-done. And Timoth- yeah, that, that Timothy was a, knocked it out of the park with him, yeah. That's one thing I've heard. When I, hear those, I hear about those books just because not only are they good Star Wars books, they're just well-written books yes, in general, good stories. They're just good books. So with everything that's going on with Disney, they're not and Lucasfilm. I'm again, we say it all the time. Lucasfilm still exists as a company. Disney just owns them now. They and they didn't really get rid of anybody but George Lucas. Really, <laughs> yep. He just left. So most of the people are still there uh, who work with George Lucas, and they know their back catalog, and they know about what happened and what went on, and they know that there's stuff in Legends that they can pull from. 
and they've been pulling from it. So uh, Dave Filoni, the guy who makes the Rebels series, he makes all the TV. He did the Clone Wars and he did Rebels. He needed a antagonist in the Rebels series that wasn't Darth Vader. Yeah, because like Darth you Vader's said, busy. Yeah, and like yeah. you had said, we've already seen a whole bunch of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And the best one he thought of, just like me, I guess, was Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so he brought Thrawn back into canon. Awesome. And instead of after Return of the Jedi, this is before A New Hope. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he actually brought him into earlier than he appeared before. And what was neat, too, is not only did they bring him back, but they brought Timothy Zahn back and they said, write new books in the new canon. Oh, cool. So Thrawn is back. Back and blue and red-eyed. So the way Thrawn looks, Thrawn looks like a human, except his skin is blue and his eyes are red with jet black hair. Nice. Uh, he's an Imperial officer. If I don't really... I read those original Thrawn books when they came out, mm-hmm. so it's in the 90s. I can't exactly remember what his backstory was, and I've read the newer books now recently because they're newer. Gotcha. And it's canon now, so I don't really... I know his backstory now. <laughs> so that's really what's important. It is. So he comes from the Unknown Regions. The Unknown Regions is something they're exploring now. That's where after... It's kind of like the outer reaches of the Star Wars universe, kind of the un- undiscovered, un- yeah. unexplored land. Yeah, it's kind of unexplored. It's supposed to be really hard to navigate. There's lots of those storms and nebulas or whatever make stuff hard to navigate out there. And uh, that's where the Empire, the remnants of the Empire went after Return of the Jedi to, oh, okay. to create the First Order. That's where the First Order was. I got you. And it's still mysterious in the world of canon. It hasn't been fully fleshed out. So the unknown regions are still a lot unknown to us. Very cool. Uh, we know the First Order went there to refit. That Snoke in the new movies is probably from there. Oh, yep, yep. And we know that Grand Admiral Thrawn's people, the Chiss have an emp- the empire of their own in the unknown regions. Those are the blue-skinned people? The blue-skinned people, yeah. Awesome. So he has this huge backstory. It would take me forever to go through Thrawn's whole backstory. There's <laughs> there's a third book that just recently came out that I'm currently reading. The original book, they kind of find him kind of feral. He was, on, he was left on a planet, and he got captured by the empire. Neat. And he was, like, outwitting them and stuff. <laughs> because uh, he's and, Thrawn. And, and, <laughs> exactly. And basically made his way to see Emperor Palpatine and they kind of made it basically what he said to Palpatine. He said, if I were to serve the empire, you would command my allegiance. So he basically offered his skills up. He talked to the emperor about what was going on over in his regions. There was a threat that was over there and the threat might be coming over here. And he had been, over into, I don't know what they call, maybe this is their unknown regions, the regular (laughs) galaxy we know. (laughs) But he had gone before to see what was going on with the Clone Wars. So he ran into Anakin way back then and stuff. It's crazy. Star-crossed lovers now. But it also sounds like Thrawn is maneuvering himself for position. Because that's the whole thing about Thrawn. That's what makes him neat. He's a tactical and military genius, which is different than most Imperial officers who are... (laughs) Basically, just going. They're either from rich families with a, you know, political position yeah. or gunning for power. It's all just power all and control. Yeah. Power and control. And Thrawn wants to win tactically, and he knows how to do it. There you go. There's a quote from Zahn about Thrawn. He said, and I quote: "Most of the Imperial leaders we see in the movies rule through a combination of fear and manipulation. 
I wanted to create something different, a commander who could lead through loyalty. The result was Thrawn, a tactical genius whose troops will follow him willingly and who will fight for him whether or not he's watching over their shoulders. Oh, wow. So that's what Thrawn is. He's he's one, and it's so neat to see him in the Rebels cartoon. I don't know if you've seen him in the Rebels cartoon. I've only they, watched a little bit of it. They almost, here. they like play this like organ music when he's, because he's <laughs> almost like a vampire nice. in a way. He yeah. kind of comes across to me as a vampire, just cold and calculating, and he just knows what's going on. And the neatest thing about him, especially as an artist myself, is he studies his enemies through their art. Ooh. He believes if he gets to know their art, he gets to know who they are, and he can take advantage of it. And that's how he puts down Ryloth, and that's how he puts down so many of these if, these insurgencies and stuff, just studying the art of the people of that planet. And he has a collection of the art and that's stuff. Cool. That's crazy. That's, yeah. some, that's some art of war type level stuff. Right. <laughs> so we find out later, spoilers, I guess, but anyway, the, the, th- the threat, I th- we think the threat, now, because these books haven't all played out, there's an they have an enemy called the Grisk. Okay, that's over there, and the reason why they are such a challenge for the Chiss is that they create no art, so they can't study them. Oh, so you can't he can't he can't get the psychological profile on them, right? But they 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 actually take other stuff from other people, so that's where they get their culture and art, their culture from and stuff, okay. and their technology. So their stuff's all. They have all this crazy tech and everything. It's very interesting. That does sound interesting. The Grisk. So, yep, Grand Admiral Thrawn, cold, calculating. His story's still open. We don't know where he is now. The End of Rebels ends with him and Ezra Bridger, spoilers, (laughs) disappearing. (laughs) Okay. We don't know where either of them are. Cliffhanger. Yeah, cliffhanger, left open. So we don't know if we're going to see some Disney Plus stuff with Mm -hmm. uh, Ahsoka and Sabine trying to find out where they went. We don't know if he's going to show up in this new movie. Ooh, even awesomer. I mean, who knows? That'd be cool. So, but Thrawn is back. Thrawn is back strong. They did him right. He's pretty much exactly what he was in the other ones. He's just doing different stuff. So the character, in my mind, changed little to none. It's cool that they're bringing him back. So he's great. He would have been my number one, but I wanted to pick something... More interesting. <laughs> I dig what you're saying about the cold and calculating, though, because like the typical bad guy that's bent on power is usually like you can tell he's crazy. He's very antagonistic, and like you know he's going to slip up just because he's going like 110. percent mm-hmm. But the cold and calculating, where it's like a vampire, it's like I've been here, I've I've done this before. This isn't yeah. my first rodeo. And also, too, a neat thing they added into canon is you know the Tie Defender. It's the Tie Fighter that has three. Um, Separate, like the three fins or whatever? Fins, I don't know what, what to call them. <laughs> wings? They aren't really wings. Pan, <laughs> panels, that's what they're called, panels. Three panels, There's yes. the three-panel TIE Defender that came out in a video game in the 90s, the TIE Fighter video game. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. Thrawn was part of that video game. Awesome. So they made it so that's, like, he developed these TIE Defenders. TIE Defenders are TIE Fighters that have shields and hyper drives so they can counter what the Rebels have. Very tactical, very strategic. But what we find out dun, dun, dun. is that... Hit that project, the Tide Defender project, in this little project called the Death Star are competing. <laughs> and we know which one won out. Wait, which one? Oh, just kidding. And they're making it, they're kind of retconning that Thrawn is so intelligent that he knows that this Death Star is not going to work. Ah. And if they had put all the money into Tide Defenders, the rebellion would have been crushed. Wow. I bet he's mad about that. Probably. My idea would have worked. <laughs> That's great. That, that, Thrawn, what a great second pick. And like I said, cool to see the character coming back because he does sound so awesome. I can see why he's mm-hmm. one of your picks. It's great. 
So that's one of the picks that I'm like, I think he may still show up in some episodes. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. He, he could be either later seasons or just the, the B subplot. Mm-hmm. But speaking of cold and calculating, that actually leads kind of nicely into number my number one pick. pick for seasonal bad guy for my build a crew to face off time and again because we've seen them time and again in various Star Trek properties, including mm-hmm. Next Generation and Voyager and First Contact. So to get around the rules, I'm picking this enemy from First Contact, but they do show up quite frequently. And to make a long story short, that is the Borg. Oh, okay. I see. Well, yeah, no, I mean, technically they're in, they're even in things that Picard's not in because they show up in, because isn't seven of nine? Yep. And she's not part True. of the thing. And then, but also too, and, but then a movie is different than a show. <laughs> and it's interesting. Well, this is why I can pick Princess Leia white dress there and then go. Tally Linter later, because technically those Two of them are in the same movie. Yeah, we're just picking specific uh, yeah. action figure variants. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah, we're going for the collector's edition. <laughs> but the Borg, cold and calculating, this is a, a, an alien force that's just bent on assimilation. They justify it in a, from their perspective. The Borg are in pursuit of perfection. Mm-hmm. They want to examine all life, assimilate all life, to, to use it to their benefit to evolve into the ultimate perfect thing, mm-hmm. which is crazy because yeah, there's is. a logic behind it. I mean, I'll, I'll get deep on it right, right up front. The Borg is kind of like anti-humanity because if you look at it, the Star Trek crew and the Borg crew are after the same thing, to explore the unknown, to find out information, to seek what we don't have, to put it into our perspective and better ourselves because of it. Mm-hmm. Star Trek does it nobly. They have the prime directive. The Borg just do it regardless, like they're accomplishing their goals by any means necessary. And that's usually to kill and assimilate and take over and conquest and holy crap, they're unstoppable. Um, what's cool about the first contact version of the of the Borg is it's an example where we get to see the Borg Queen. The Borg Queen. Yes. One of the one of the fan gripes about the Borg is it's really like they're kind of nameless because they're robot zombies, essentially. <laughs> robot, yeah. You know, instead of going after brains, they're just going after more input. Uh, but they don't really talk like they're just drones. It's just a mindless thing that overtakes everything, which is scary because that's their only purpose. But with the Borg Queen, they sort of gave it this emotional psychological component to one, get it Picard and just also get it everybody else that they were coming across because it's like a Thanos again to say that it's a, the face to it that you're like, Oh, this person isn't crazy. They're not just doing this to cause destruction. They are logical. They are cold and calculating and they have a purpose and they will see that purpose to the end, regardless of who stands in their way, which is crazy and mm-hmm. creepy. I don't know. That sort of inevitable doom is very much a cool trope that I like in sci-fi where it's like the odds are set against you and it really doesn't seem like there's a way to overcome it because the Borg have assimilated Thousands of species now. But with the Borg Queen, she looks like H.R. Geiger made her. She looks like a xenomorph from Aliens. She's really creepy and slick looking, but she's, she's the psychological component. She's the one that lets you know that the Borg understand perfection and their purpose, and it's not just drones. It's actually there's a, a collective hive mind behind it that's very, very smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's just terrifying to have that an <laughs> enemy that would... it's It's unfailing they're just always in pursuit and if they don't get you this time they will come back and get you next time because they're not in a hurry because they're taking over everybody they are there's that's that's a and this probably the borg were probably first 
but I can think of numerous sci-fi enemies or creatures or aliens or menaces yep. that have a very similar type of thing. Oh, for sure. Almost that those the what I was just telling the Grisk are almost like that. What I just told you about in, in the Thrawn books because they're taking over other cultures and stuff. Yeah, they're okay. taking other cultures. Yeah, I don't know if they're similar, but also in Mass Effect Andromeda, there was one. They were like taking the genetics of other species to make their species oh yeah yeah better which is kind of similar they did it in riddick too the chronicles of riddick too they had the necromancers that were taking over planets so you did a good job of of rules lowering our rules yes. to get picard's enemy against picard and he's still in a star trek ship yep that <laughs> means that that means i have a fighting chance ah, i love it if anyone's mad, be mad at Mikey, but I think it's awesome because he did what all nerdy gamers do, and he's like, it's in the rules. I can do this. Yep. Deal with it. Yep. This card is so powerful, I just won again. No. <laughs> Even better, it's Picard who is faced off the Borg, or faced off against the Borg in a ship that had a Borg 7 of 9 on it, so it's been enhanced with Borg technology to better <laughs> fight the Borg. So ship and captain, ha, take that. I'm setting this game up for me. This is this is gonna be fun. <laughs> oh man! But yes, the Borg resistance is futile. That's great. So that's a, <laughs> the Borg. How can you go wrong? Yeah, that's a great number one. They fly cubes. I mean, weird. But anyway, all right. My number one easily could have been Thrawn, but I was doing something here. If you haven't noticed, other than the robot dog that I have on the ship, <laughs> I made an entire female crew because I wanted to challenge myself. Yeah, and I also kind of wanted to prove that they're. There has been, if you look for it, there has been some representation over the years. Oh, for sure. In sci-fi. And sometimes it's it's not as much as it should be, but the ones we've had have been great. Yeah. And I think I picked some great ones. I agree. And I love to see it because I love representation. <laughs> so I wanted to find a female villain. And like the Boar Queen is a female villain, but I'm not that familiar with it. I got you. But then I, I came across and I was like, technically female. So this is fun. Let's do it. And and we easily could have had the protagonist to this villain in my list too. Oh, there you go. Because I chose the Queen Mother from Aliens. Oh yeah. The Xenomorph Queen. And uh, I I'm even gonna up it. I found out that in doing research, I found out that this Queen Mother isn't who you're thinking of is. The Queen from Aliens, Alien, I always get which ones mix up. Anyway, the one that Ripley fights in the, the load lifter. Yes. That's just a queen. Oh, there's not a like, queen mother. Oh, that's okay. I was totally thinking of the one she fights uh, with the load. No, there's okay. even a smarter, bigger one. What? And okay. that's the one I want. Creepy. So, Dark Horse Comics. Remember Dark Horse Comics? Only are they still around? I believe so. Yeah, but they had a run. They they had a run where they were popular. Oh yeah, for sure. And and they did a lot of movie or franchise related comic books. Oh, cool. And Aliens was one of the franchises that they did comic books for. And they're the ones who introduced the Queen Mother, which is basically a bigger, smarter queen. That's awesome. Because if you recall, the queen actually has some intelligence. Actually, the all the xenomorphs have intelligence to a level. Like yeah. As they get smaller, they get dumber. But as they get bigger, they get smarter. For sure. I mean, the queen actually in... The film actually made the elevator work. And if you know how to work oh, an elevator. Yeah, that's like the raptors opening doors. Right. They're evolving. Yeah, so, but the Queen Mother, she appeared in this uh, comic series, and she's she's protected by drones just like a regular queen is, but they're called 
Palatines, which are enlarged elite drones, Ooh. and they're even smarter. Sounds like a paladin kind of protector. Yeah. And, and she has uh, telepathic and empathic abilities, so oh, crap. she can actually speak to you in your brain. Creepy. Right. While she's laying eggs in your body or something? Something like Yeah, I mean, yeah, she lays eggs too. So that's the neat thing to me is that that was introduced in these comics, and I don't think they've explored it enough in the movies. I think they should because there's this intelligence behind this. It yeah. just seemed like there's these mindless beasts just going around, but... Yep. You know, there's an intelligence at the heart of this. There's this queen mother of all the aliens. So th- there's not only an, an intelligence there, but the, the psychic and empathic abilities also go to she can broadcast it like far. Oh, wow. So she has control over it's almost like in Star Wars how Palpatine had this kind of he could kind of control how the battle was going there through you the go. force. So she can kind of do that too. So they added this thing into the comics. Like I said, I wish it was more known in the movies or put in the movies yep. that even when she's not near the actions of her drones and stuff and the other queens are kind of being manipulated by her. They're all still in network and stuff like that. So yeah. And the, the comic series is about a whole like invasion of earth and Oh, awesome. It's crazy. So to me that, that is a, a cool fun enemy for this crew to go up against. Oh, for sure. Because what more can they do? Could they pilot their own ships? Could I mean, what goes on? Because right now it's more of a, they get on a ship, they hijack a ship, basically, or just yeah. follow it and then go places. Eat or survive. Eat to survive and stuff like that. Yeah. But man, they did so much in this Dark, Dark Horse comic series. I would love to see that. Because the, the movies are great. They kind of went all over the place. Yep. They've never been codified. Disney needs to buy it and then just fix everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to find out there's comic books. That's something for me to go do a dive on. Yeah, I used to get, I used to be big into Dark Horse comic books back in the day. I believe that they had, they had Star Wars for a little while. Okay. If I'm not crazy. We'll have to do some research. Maybe we'll do a, a Dark Horse episode. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that would be good. Because I remember in the 90s, they were a big player. There you go. Actually, there were a lot of alternate comic books in the 90s. Yeah, them and Image sort of seemed like they came up together right after Marvel and DC. Yep. Yep. So I think it would be neat that I have this crew on the ship traveling around, and they have to go around eradicating xenomorphs. Oh, xenomorphs are the best. So be fun. That's great. Yeah, you. I mean, Darth Vader's an icon. You want to talk about just iconic aliens as far as creatures? It's totally xenomorphs. The, oh, yeah, 100%. So slick and creepy. I wonder if there's any of them on the the church. Oh, there, there, there has to be a gargoyle of a xenomorph <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, I don't know be. if it's on that church, but we'll find it. There's got to be. So that's iconic to me, just xenomorphs just fighting these these creatures going around, I could just see, especially Samus around in Metroid. Oh, that's yeah. like, that's in her wheelhouse yep. and stuff. Yep. Just oh, arm cannon in those things. Oh, it'll be wonderful. It'd be awesome. You see Kaylee like accidentally, accidentally stumbles upon the lair and she's like, oh, it's a mommy. And then like, oh no, the babies are coming out. I can see it. Yeah, for sure. It, it would be awesome. Somebody on the internet describes xenomorphs as the sharks of space, the great white sharks of space, just because they're like so cold and killing. Oh, yeah. But now that they're telepathic and empathic, that's like upgrade. That's like sharks with lasers now. <laughs> well, I know. And part of it, too, is I kind of have an entire crew full of Ripley's in my mind. So oh, yeah, let's, perfect. Let's put them all. Let's put them up against Ripley's main enemy. I want to watch that show right now. When can I start binging? <laughs> that would be great. That is a great pick to round out our cruise. That is awesome. Now, uh, we have put out to you, hey, send us what you want your cruise to be, and we actually got one. Somebody else built a crew with us. It was awesome. Someone did build a crew with us. So 
Let's give it a quick rundown. Let's judge it. Yeah, so we got an email from High Refinition. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. What a great hint. So thanks, High Refinition. And he writes, love your Head of the Helm series and wanted to take a crack at it. I'll give you my first picks only to save time. We appreciate it. So, Ship, The Heart of Gold from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. The Infinite Improbability Drive is all that needs to be said. Very true. Uh, Pilot, he picked... Niobe from The Matrix. Yep. Uh, we didn't even talk about The Matrix. I know, like, right? That was a blank spot on me when I read it in the email. I was like, oh, yeah, The Matrix. And that is a good pick because mm-hmm. that crew that's in Zion outside of The Matrix, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a rough and tumble crew. Yeah, he says, clearly the greatest pilot in The Matrix and a strong female character. We're fans of those. For his engineer, he picked Chewbacca. <laughs> Great minds think alike. I had uh, him in a different spot. But. Yep. I, I have to have a Wookiee on board, 200 years old. I'm sure he knows how to fix some stuff. stuff. <laughs> For his security, he picked a grunt from Mass Effect. Okay. Who's a Krogan. Uh, his quote says it best. I am pure Krogan. You should be in awe. Yeah. Grunt's great. <laughs> Krogans are great. Krogans are like what? Those are the giant like frog, like yeah, amphibian looking dudes kind of, right? Krogans are, Krogans are what Klingons wish they were. Oh, I gotcha. No awesome. offense. Hey. No offense, Star Trek fan across from me. Hashtag new Klingons are awesome on Discovery. That's the end of it. <laughs> for doctor, he picked Dr. Leonard Horatio Bones McCoy. Oh, yes. From Star and Trek. More great minds. And look what he wrote yeah, after the it. The Carl Urban version, just in case I like him as an actor. Just because he likes him as an actor. That's the oh, exact, just because he likes him as an actor. That's, that's the exact reason I picked Carl Urban. So I'm high definition. You and me are hanging out. Uh, we, we got good taste in doctors. For a robot, he picked Vision from I, Avengers Age of Ultron. I did Jarvis. He did Vision. I like this guy. He's yeah. great. Laser beams, Mind Stone. He can wield Thor's hammer. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. He was the one that made him nervous. That was the first one because he almost lifted it up in the movie. And then he says, he sent this before we finished. He said, assuming the final positions will be science officer, exo, and captain. Nailed it. Well done, sir. Science officer, he picked Dr. Lazarus from Galaxy Quest. Awesome. I, he put, I won't say that stupid line. Do you want to say it? I'll say it. If I grab Thor's hammer, I will avenge you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, for EXO, he picked Corbin Dallas from The Fifth Element. Yep. Dude gets stuff done. He does. And he drives a taxi. I mean, come on. And for Captain, he picked Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Oh. TV Han Solo with better wit. Uh-oh. Oh. Those are fighting words. But, hey, no, he is TV Han Solo, for sure. With better wit, though? Yeah. Who's get, who's wittier, Han Solo or Malcolm? <laughs> well, I don't know. One's Ooh. more Southern than the other, so I don't know That's if true. Southern wit and charm factors into it. Yeah, homespun. So, yes, great list. High definition. Thanks for that. Oh, so much fun. And if you have a list, you can send it in to us. We'll read it while we have our pizza. We will read it while we have our pizza, which is here. Hooray! The pizza is here. That means it's the end of the podcast. You can write us your list of crew yes. and ship, uh, assumingpositions at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the social medias, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at assumingpod. Uh, we have a lot of people to thank. We want to thank that guy, Brad, for our announcing, not Scott Productions for our equipment, Jazzar for our music, the local game store in Richardson, Texas, at the best LGS on Facebook. And we want to thank you for listening most of all. Thanks for being part of our crew. Thanks for being part of our crew. Off we go to the moon, Alice. Engage. Number one. <laughs> Thank you.
Luke, I am your father. Luke, I'm your second cousin, twice removed. And now, live from a place in a thing. Is that Bradley? Bradley, are you here right now? <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. 